Hi, this is Bill Hayes. And Susan Seaforth Hayes from Days of Our Lives. You are listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson welcoming you back to TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. Very happy to welcome back Mr. Adam Sharp. Adam Sharp, president of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, also known as the Daytime Emmy Awards. In case you missed it, both the Daytime Emmys and the Primetime Emmys are working together on two major changes that are in the works for 2022, one of which is the creation of the Children's and Family Emmy Awards as a standalone franchise. We'll ask Adam about that in just a second. The other change is that both academies are working on a realignment of both the Primetime Emmys and the Daytime Emmys so that both competitions will be organized entirely by content genre. Not only is this a major shift away from the current method, which is based on what time of day or which day or days and nights of the week that Emmy-nominated programs air, it marks the most significant change in the Emmy Awards platform in almost 50 years. We'll ask Adam about that as well. If time allows, we will also ask Adam, share a few thoughts on the recent passing of two major Emmy Award winners. Adam Sharp, welcome back to our program. Thank you, Ed. It's good to be back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. I don't want to sound like I'm sucking up to the guest, but you and I have talked several times before about how the daytime Emmys in particular have stayed ahead of the curve during your tenure as president, uh, such as embracing new technology and broadcasting the Emmy Award, the daytime Emmy Awards on streaming platforms. So in that respect, the way I see it, shifting the competitions to focus on what kind of shows they are versus when we watch these shows, that comes as no surprise, and it makes a lot of sense given how most, most of us watch TV today. For sure. It is a reflection of how our brilliant creators are creating and distributing content these days, and it is a reflection of how our daytime fans in the audience are consuming these programs uh, these days. As I've said many times when we've spoken uh, before, that what has changed year to year over the long history of daytime television is not the audience interest in these stories or in these programs, but rather in the, the platforms and devices they watch them on. And you are as likely to find someone watching their favorite soap at 11 o'clock at night on a Roku box after they've put their kids to bed, mm-hmm. uh, as you would have a generation ago tuning in at a very specific time and day, catching it during its, its live broadcast on a TV on the kitchen counter. Yeah, so the interest is still there. It's just our, our interests are focused on you know, the fact that the opportunities are there for us to watch these our, our favorite shows on our own time, and uh, and and again, you the academies are are in step with that. It, was there any one thing that brought about the decision to realign, or was it um, a, a, a progression of things? I think it was a progression of things. I think it was certainly the trend line of the industry over the last many years. I think that. 
our academy had in many ways over the last decade tried to adapt to the changing dynamics of our of our industry we had created new categories we changed uh, descriptions of categories to to try to to, to keep up with the changing uh, face of the industry the other academy had had done the same but you know there's the old parable of the the frog in in boiling water that uh, you know you you put the frog in the water and you you slowly change the temperature they don't notice the, the little changes here and there and then all of a sudden the water's boiling and the frog's dead and they realize that was a bad decision. <laughs> um, and so I think what eventually happened was all the little perhaps reactionary things we'd done over the years of, oh, here's something interesting that's happened in the industry. Here's a new platform. Here's a new form of creation we're seeing. Let's create a category to do that. Let's change this rule or whatever. Each of these incremental changes made sense in their own microcosm. But now, I think a new normal had started set in. Things like streaming media, consuming uh, TV on a, on a set-top box, having a over-the-top service, be it Hulu Live or YouTube TV or uh, Sling or another provider like that as your primary uh, video service provider as opposed to over-the-air television or cable provider is no longer a newfangled early adopter thing. It is now mainstream. And so rather than treating these as experimental new facets of production, distribution, and consumption to react to, I think we finally said enough of this change has taken hold that we are in a different landscape Let's take a step back, and instead of going incrementally, say, if we were going back to the drawing board, if we were drawing this alignment from scratch and saying, this is the daytime competition, this is the primetime competition, would we be drawing this line the same way as we did in 1977? And very clearly, the answer to that was no. And we work together with our counterparts at the Primetime Academy to look at that through a new lens. Adam Sharp is on the line with us. Adam Sharp, president of the National Academy of Television, Arts, and Sciences, a.k.a. the Daytime Emmy Awards. We're talking about the major change to the Emmy Awards platform that both the Daytime Emmys and the Primetime Emmys are working on together, that being the realignment of both the primetime Emmys and the daytime Emmys so that both competitions will be organized entirely by content genre versus program scheduling. This is the most significant change to the Emmy Awards platform since 1974. If all goes well, we'll ask Adam about this in just a second, if all goes well, most of the categories will be realigned by genre in time for the 2022 competitions with the end goal being that all competitions will be based on content genre by 2023. For more information, emmyonline.tv, emmyonline.tv. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Before he became president of the daytime Emmys, Adam Sharp was head of news, government, and elections at Twitter, where he not only advised journalists, news organizations, candidates, and government 
officials in more than 20 nations on how to use Twitter. But in many respects, Adam was considered the human embodiment of Twitter. So I guess in digital vernacular, Adam, what the academies are doing right now would be considered a reboot. But I suppose in sharing this news on our program, what we're doing, what you and I are doing right now is the Twitter is the audio equivalent of a Twitter retweet. <laughs> Indeed, but, but even from there, I think uh, you know, audio has had a a rebirth in in many ways over the, the last several years as well. The same way as I think television consumption patterns have have changed, I think the growth of podcasting, uh, in particular, has marked a new age for. Uh, what in an earlier day we would have considered straight up radio. Yeah. Um, and in, in fact, you know, had uh, just about a year ago, I, I in addition to my role with the, the Academy, uh, I also sit on the board of the National Press Foundation. And in that role, uh, I got to interview as part of our award ceremony last year, Audie Cornish. Uh, from NPR, NPR as yeah. all things considered. Yeah. She's actually just announced she's uh, moving on from NPR. And one of the things we talked about there was the idea of you know, the R in NPR historically stood for National Public Radio. Um, and yet now it really is uh, moving so far beyond radio in that classic sense of over-the-air terrestrial uh, broadcasting, and instead just this idea of audio content delivered at any time on any device, the same way as television has morphed to be uh, video content, often in episodic form, delivered to any device at any time. And so both of these media industries have been going through a very similar resurgence where uh, the names, television, radio, may have their technical roots in the, the physical uh, transmission technologies of, uh, of their origination, uh, but now they're, they're really more sim symbolic, I think. Uh, uh, we we know what they they represent, but we don't take them as literally anymore. And by the same token, I think uh, the phrase daytime uh, is the the same. You know, we're going to keep the daytime Emmy's name even with this realignment because it it means something. We are approaching our 50th year of the daytime Emmys uh, next year, and people know they're watching daytime television. But the reason you know you are watching daytime television is because of how you're connecting with those characters, those programs, those narr narratives, because those are the, the, the programs that you've had those 30, 40-year relationships uh, with on a daily basis throughout your life. You're not sitting watching a show wondering, huh, is this a daytime program, a primetime program, <laughs> and looking up at the clock to figure it out? Yeah. And, and so it, it, it's more the feeling it evokes than 
an arbitrary time on the clock, uh, the same way as the words television and radio are no longer tied to that technical definition, but rather what they represent. Right. How, how we watch television today is much different than how we watch television, you know, when you and I were growing up, and, and the realignment of, of both, both academies working together reflects that. What are some of the specific changes that will go into effect, meaning how will the realignment of, of both competitions into, uh, as, as, as content genre, how will that affect, say, scripted shows like uh, daytime dramas, uh, speaking of which, or um, day, you know, quote unquote, daytime staples such as talk shows. So, for, for each of these areas, I think we we went back and we worked with our peers at the Primetime Academy to really look at how we define these genres. Certainly, there were genres that were already squarely in in one competition or another, and that made things easier. And then there were genres of programming that were shared in that there were types of programming that were being honored in both competitions, and it was simply that if it aired during the day, it was coming to daytime, and if it aired in the evening, it was going to prime time. And those were the ones that required the most work because those, uh, our goal was to either say all that programming goes to one competition or another, uh, uh, depending on a genre, or coming up with some other classification to distinguish between a daytime format versus a, a primetime format. So, for example, when you look at uh, drama programming, we looked at the definition of daytime drama, and we made that definition more clear. So we define that now as a daily multi-camera serial. Um, and for all intents and purposes, that comes down to the traditional soap operas. Uh, we include in this uh, spin-offs and reboots of, of the same. And so after several years of having in our main outstanding drama series category uh, just the four broadcast soaps, um, we will actually have a fifth eligible program in this year's competition with Beyond Salem, the Days of Our Lives spinoff on Peacock now becoming eligible um, in that same category um, as a spinoff of that multi-camera daily serial Days of Our Lives. We're talking to Adam Sharp, Adam Sharp, president of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, a.k.a. the Daytime Emmys, both the Daytime Emmys and Primetime Emmys, working together on two major changes uh, for 2022, one of which is the realignment of both the primetime Emmys and daytime Emmys so that both competitions will be organized entirely by content genre versus program scheduling. The other major change, which I'll ask Adam about in just a second, is the creation of the Children's and Family Emmy Awards as a, as a category of its own. Uh, for more information, emmyonline.tv, emmyonline.tv. Um, and again, we've seen news and documentary shifting into a category of its own. We've seen sports uh, shift into a category of its own, having its own Emmy Award. So in that respect, it's not surprising to see children's programming 
uh, become a category of its own? Was this one of those things of the Academy recognizing it's time to do this? It really is a function of the amount of content that is being generated. You know, when I was, was a kid, children's television was three hours on three networks on Saturday morning. <laughs> um, right. and, and so because of that, children's television was limited to a small number of categories in the daytime uh, Emmys. Over the years, that slice of the competition grew a bit, uh, saw a particular uh, expansion when cable uh, expanded the opportunity for children's programming with networks dedicated to the audience, networks like Nickelodeon and Disney Channel being some of the first uh, on the scene there. But in recent years, we've seen a veritable explosion in content being generated for this age group now with streaming delivery uh, and over-the-top services. Uh, and the idea that you know, for children uh, growing up today, it's very likely that they will not have a viewing audience relationship with a traditional broadcast network at all the way we knew it growing up, that their channels for content are going to be entirely digital channels, be it via streaming services, apps like YouTube or Disney Plus or Noggin or Paramount Plus now incorporating a lot of that Nickelodeon content and, and so on. And over the last few years, in the children's slice of the daytime Emmy competition, we were seeing consistently double-digit year-over-year growth in the children's Emmy competition. So, in fact, if we take just the number of entries uh, into the children's side of the daytime competition last year and split those out from the rest of the daytime competition, put them into this standalone competition, assume all those entries come back, they stand a good shot of already being our biggest competition for next year uh, in terms of number of entries. And if not number one, very close to it. <laughs> um, and, and so uh, I, I think that it, they were already starting to bust at the seams yeah. of their categories, their box inside the daytime competition. And I think the pandemic the last two years forcing us to do virtual shows gave us the opportunity to experiment a little bit. You know, it's... It's very hard when you're doing a big auditorium show to say, you know what, let's do a second show. Let's, let's book the auditorium and the crew and everybody else for a second night and, and do this another night. Uh, that's very difficult. That's very expensive. With yeah. virtual shows, that was a little bit easier. So the last two years, we used COVID as an opportunity to experiment, and we broke out the presentation of the children's categories into a separate ceremony uh, in the virtual format. And it proved very successful. And so that mix of knowing we had the content there, knowing it was busting at the seams, ready to pop out the daytime competition, mm -hmm. 
and now having these two successful tests of demonstrating that children's and family as a standalone ceremony was very viable as an entertaining ceremony event. All the pieces fit into place. Talking to Adam Sharp, Adam Sharp, president of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, a.k.a. the Daytime Emmy Awards, talking about the recent creation of the Children's and Family Emmy Awards as its own category, as well as the realignment of both the Primetime Emmys and Daytime Emmys so that both competitions will be organized based on content genre. We'll talk more with Adam Sharp about these changes. We'll also ask Adam for his thoughts on the recent passings of Betty White and John Men. All that and more, we continue our conversation with Adam Sharp here on TV Confidential. One more item, if you love Ella Fitzgerald, our friend Jeffrey Mark celebrates the music of the First Lady of Song every week on Jeffrey Mark Place Ella. You can hear Jeffrey Mark Place Ella on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you find podcasts. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash TV Confidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first time home buyer, or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.